0: Zechariah chapter 4, and I'm going to preach to you this morning on don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise the day of small things. In our text this morning, we're going to read the verses in just a moment. I want to give you quickly the background of this story. There's at least two other passages in Scripture that tell us something about this account, what's taking place. It is the beginning of the rebuilding of the temple. Some weeks ago, we looked at the book of Nehemiah and we went through and we saw the rebuilding of the wall. 52 days, you'll remember, that Nehemiah and his work teams took to rebuild the wall. But inside that wall, the city still had not been rebuilt. The temple had not been rebuilt. And so a man by the name of Zerubbabel comes and he and others are working together. Ezra is a part of this team and they're there to, to revive the people of Israel and their worship of God. And part of that is rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. As they are laying the foundation, as they're beginning this, and they gather together to celebrate the beginning of this building, something unusual takes place. Ezra chapter 3 tells us some about this. As they are beginning this, there's great excitement among the people. You can imagine what it would be like to be able, having worked on the wall and you've seen the city in ruins, to begin to see some progress being made to begin to see this is what's taking place. And so as they lay the foundation stone of this temple, the people begin to rejoice. And there's joy in their hearts. They're excited that this this not just a symbol, but a place that is the heart of their relationship and covenant with God is being rebuilt. As they do that, as with many times uh, when there's people together, there are those who are celebrating and rejoicing And there are those who are saying, well, you know what? I remember when it was better. There are a few people that are there. There's enough there that remember some of the older crowd, that remembers what the Temple of Solomon looked like. They were there before the the captivity, and they had been in Jerusalem. They had seen the original, and that tells me that they are pretty aged. But the Bible says that they begin to weep. And in fact, Ezra 3 tells us that the weeping and the joy were so mingled together that they couldn't tell what people were doing. That's some pretty loud weeping if you can overcome the joy and the celebration. And so it's mingled together. In the book of Haggai chapter 3 or chapter 2, Haggai, the other prophet, uh, this, this, this situation was so desperate that God had to send two prophets to keep Zerubbabel on track and keep the people encouraged. So in Haggai, he says, he says this, he says, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? You saw it when Solomon built it. And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? These people looked at this and they said, there's nothing to this. This is so insignificant. This is so small compared to what used to be. To what has been in the past. Be careful about living on past blessings. Be careful. Celebrate what God has done in the past. Celebrate what you've been able to do in serving God in the past. But don't dwell in the past. Somebody said that the good old days are a combination of a bad memory and a good imagination. And now that I've reached long enough to know some, remember some of the good old days, I think they're probably right. I hear people all the time talking about how, man, it was great back in the 70s. Really? (laughs) Have you seen what we wore back in the 70s? Polyester suits, collars that came out to your shoulders. Have you listened? There's a whole lot. The good old days are not as good as we like to remember them to be. And these people said, this is small. This is insignificant. And God says to them in this passage, he says, I want you to, I don't want you to despise the day of small things. Look with me in verse 6. God gives a word of encouragement, a word to His people. And I'm glad He has a word for us this morning. If you'll listen carefully and listen beyond my words, you'll hear the Spirit of God speaking to you from this passage. And I hope that when we come to the end of the service, whether it's in the invitation or whether it's in the change that God wants to make in your life, that you will listen to the Word of God. Then he answered, in verse 6, and spoke to me and said, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof of the temple, the headstone of the, of the building, with shoutings, crying, grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, "'The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who has despised the day of small things?' For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with these seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. There are those who looked at what was taking place. And there's a temptation if we're not careful for us to look at the things in our life and to see the small things and to see the days of small things. And sometimes many of our days as believers are days of small things. They're not the days of the glorious and they're not the days of the exciting. They are simply long perseverance and pressing in the right direction. And they're the small things and we press on. And it's easy for us if we're not careful to begin to listen to the voice of satan to begin to listen to the voice of our own heart that tells us this is not important this is not of value and we be we will be like those of this passage that say we despise small things this is as nothing god uses great things but god uses great things that start as small things we can see this in nature when the sun begins to rise in, this, in the morning, you see the brilliant, beautiful sunrise. And I love nothing more than to see the sun as it comes up and you see it over the horizon. And this morning as we were driving out from town to for service, early service, you could see the sun, it was bright. But, but before it reaches that point of great brilliance and brightness, you see just a gleam beginning to peek up over the horizon. And what becomes something that is great starts as something small. Beautiful flowers start as simple little seeds, just little things that become beautiful and intricate and complex and amazing. A Mighty oak tree that starts off as just a a tiny little acorn. I remember when I was a child, there was a little poem in a book and it's still stuck in my mind all these years later. It said, when you're feeling low and when you're feeling kind of blue, just remember that the mighty oak was once a nut like you. So encouraging. Y'all just keep that in mind. Just remember that the the mighty oak was once a nut like some of you. Not, Not me, you. But the great things that start small. A mighty river that flows into the ocean starts somewhere with just a small spring of water. God is a God who takes small things and turns them into great things. In the Scriptures, we could go through the Scriptures this morning. Proverbs chapter 6 talks about there are things that are in the earth are small, but they are wise and they are great. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways, for she is wise. All those little things. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, if you give something as simple as a glass of water in my name, given to a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward, a great reward for something this small. Despise not the day of small things. God uses things as simple as just a simple conversation. John chapter 4, the woman at the well, Jesus begins a conversation about drawing water, and she comes to faith because of a simple conversation. God uses weak things. God uses simple things. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says he uses the simple things to confound the wise. He uses the narrow gate as the way of salvation Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way the gate that leads to life everlasting. Few there be that find it. Small things we could think about in our own lives. Think about what God does in Scripture. God used God used a little girl to bring Naaman to healing and to God. We saw last week that he used a, a small, a little boy with a little lunch with some little fish and a little bit of bread to accomplish something amazing. And what He does in us, I've over the last days in various ways had conversations and asked people, what are some ways that you've seen God use small things? And I'm always blessed by the the answers and the testimonies that I hear from people of how God worked in their life through a word or a card or a person talking to them, or just what we would consider the little things. God does something big through it. Despise not the day of small things. Why should we not despise the day of small things? I want you to see in this text this morning three reasons why we should not despise the day of small things and why you should not, as you look at your life, despise the small things. Maybe the small thing is what you feel like you can do for God. Maybe the small thing is the little things in your life that are taking place. Maybe you're comparing the blessings in your life to the blessings in someone else's life, and their blessings look so good. And God, why are they getting it so much better than I? And it causes us to diminish. We compare and we look at what's taking place in our life. Maybe the small things are those days in your life that are just the common, ordinary drudgery of just making it through the day. Whatever the case might be, I'm sure there are many, any, with this many of us here, there are different small things and days of small things that God is speaking to us about that we must not despise. First of all, this text reminds us that we should not despise the day of small things because it is through small things that the power of God is exalted Small things exalt the power of God. Look, if you will, in the first verse that we read in verse 6. He said to Zerubbabel, not by might. That might is the word for military might. Zerubbabel, you're not going to finish this because you have some mighty army. We know that there were nations around the city of Jerusalem that did not want this temple to be built. And they wanted, there are enemies but Zerubbabel, you're not going to do it because you have a great army. Listen to me. We have a powerful enemy. We have the, the devil who is the deceiver, and he is the enemy of our soul. He is the enemy of us, and he deceives, and he is the accuser of the brethren. But our victory over him is not through our strength. It is through the strength of God. Revelation chapter 4 says, They overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's the power that we have against the enemy. And he says, not by power, nor by might. Not by might, nor by power. What is this power that he's speaking of? It is manpower. It is having a sufficient labor force. Zerubbabel, you don't have enough. You've got some people that are willing to work. People had a mind to work, Nehemiah tells us. But you don't have enough. It's not because of your workforce that this is going to be done. It's not in our strength. Whatever that task is ahead of us, we may feel insufficient for the task. And let me tell you, that whatever's taking place in your life, anything of eternal spiritual significance, you and I are inferior for the task. We are not enough. Jesus said, without me, you can do what? Nothing. We act like that verse says, without me, you're at a serious disadvantage but you can somehow muddle through and make it through. No, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So it's not by power. It's not by might. But what is it by? It is by my spirit, saith the Lord. If anything of value is going to take place, small things remind us that it is not us, it is not we that do it, it is God that does it. He's the one that gets the glory. It is His power And that power is exalted, and that power is experienced when we experience the small things. God says to Zerubbabel, it's not going to be your workforce, it's not going to be your army. It's going to be be Spirit-filled workers that are led by Spirit-filled leaders. These workers building this temple, they need the the power of the Spirit. Zerubbabel, you and Ezra and the other leaders, you need the power of the Spirit. That's the only way. The small times in our lives and the times that we feel too small for the task are times that remind us how desperately we need the Spirit of God. You and I cannot live the Christian life apart from the power of the Spirit of God. You and I cannot serve God as we should apart from the power of the Spirit. I don't know what everyone's facing. I know what some of you are. You've shared with me the burdens and the challenges that you're facing. And I I carry those to the Lord with you and pray for you in those burdens. But let me tell you something. Those burdens, those things that are that way, that make us feel so small, they are reminders of the power of God, not by power nor by might. Paul, when he preached to the Corinthians, he said, look, the work that we're doing, it's not me. He said, I planted Apollos watered, but it's God that gives the increase. See, that's what we're reminded of in the day of small things. We're reminded that it's, we're just playing a part. He goes on to say, now he that plants and he that waters are one. We're on the same team. We're doing the same work. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. We are laborers together with God. You see, that's what we're doing. We're working, and the task is far bigger than we are. Paul would go on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, I was with you in much weakness and fear and trembling. He said, my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of what? The Spirit and power. Do you see the, the theme that we're seeing here? Look, it's not us. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever task you have, whatever person you are burdened about, that person that you would like so, so desperately to change, you would love to bring them back to God. That child that you're praying for, that parent that you're praying for, that spouse that you're burdened about, that you would so love to do. We're not able to do it in our strength. We sow and another waters and God's the one that gives the increase. Not by power am I, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Small things. Don't despise small things because they exalt the power of God. God's the one that does it. But notice, secondly, we should not despise small things because it's the small things that express praise to God. God does it by His power. He's the only one that gets the glory. Look what they cry out in the end of verse 7. When they finish, He said, He's going to bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Shouts of grace. Why? Because it's only going to be accomplished by the power of God's grace. He goes on to say in verse 9, look at the end of verse 9. Thou shalt know what? That the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. This is the purpose. This is the purpose of our labor. This is the purpose of our worship. This is the purpose of our service for God. This is the purpose of our discipling and following after Christ. What? That He gets the glory, that He gets the praise, that others will know God. That's our desire. That's our purpose. Everything that we do as a church is what? To bring glory to God. Everything that happens in our lives. We saw in our Sunday school lesson this morning, Paul says, I don't care whether I live or die as long as Christ is magnified. When that becomes the driving force of our lives, we'll live differently as believers. We will follow Christ differently. It doesn't matter what happens to me. Christ, be magnified. Praise to Him. This is the purpose of our labor. Every time you see God at work in Scripture, you see God at work for one purpose, to make Himself known to mankind. Why did God create In the beginning, God created. We get a little bit of a glimpse into why He created in Romans chapter 1 when He says that the invisible things of God are seen by those that were created in the creation. One of the reasons, at least one of the reasons, that God created to start with was to manifest His glory. That's why even in common grace, an unbeliever can look at nature and see the beauty that is the fingerprints of God on this world. And what is that? That's God showing off. It's God revealing Himself. We could come to the book of Exodus, and we see the work of God in the nation of of, of, of Egypt as the plagues are poured out. And God says to Moses, He says, when I'm done, Pharaoh will know that I am God. And the people of Egypt will know that I am God. And you, Moses and Israel, you'll know that I am the Lord. What was God doing? God was working to demonstrate and to reveal Himself to mankind. We move from Genesis to Exodus. We can move on into Leviticus and all the work in the tabernacle. What was the purpose of that design? It was to show us who God is and that there was a way to be made to God. Go throughout the whole Scriptures and every time you see God at work, you see God working to reveal. And the Scriptures themselves... Why are we given the word of God? For God to reveal himself to us. So why is God at work in our lives? With things that are beyond our ability. With the mountains that have to be leveled into a plain. God is doing that to make himself known to you and to those around you. He is bringing glory to himself. So don't despise the day of small things. Because it is in the day of small things often that God gets the greatest glory the praise of God. But then notice also in verse 7 and then verse 9 and verse 10, don't despise small things. Small things enjoy the promises of God. What are the promises of God? Well, look in verse 7. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. I don't believe this was a a physical mountain that was there. It seems to be the task that lay before Zerubbabel building this temple, getting this job done. Do you, like, you ever feel like what you're facing is an insurmountable task? It's a mountain that's impossible for you to move. God is one who is able to move it. It reminds me of a promise that Jesus gave. He said, if you have faith, the size of what? Mustard seed. You'll say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall be done. I don't believe that means that I can go up to the Blue Ridge Mountains and say, Hey, mountain, you're in my way. You're blocking my view. I want you to go throw yourself in the Atlantic Ocean. But I believe in this situation, specifically when he says there's a mountain, as they sang just a moment ago, you'll see the mountain moved. You'll see what seems impossible cleared before. And he says, you'll become like a plane before Zerubbabel. That's the promise. But look at this, this promise goes further. He said in, verse, in the verse 7, he shall bring forth the headstone thereof. He's just laid the foundation. He said, he's going to bring the headstone. There's going to be shouts of grace, grace to it. And Zerubbabel is the one who's going to get to finish the task. He says this further down in verse 9. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. I love when God gives a promise of that this is the task, you're starting it out, and you're going to get to do the last part. When God starts us on a task and promises that we're going to finish it, what does that tell me all the way in between? It tells me that no matter what happens in between, the finished work is promised. That's a promise that I can rest in. There were probably days in Zerubbabel's life when he got up and he went to work and he had to oversee this project, and there were all the troubles that you would have on a work project, and there were days that he thought, man, this this task, this building's never going to get built. And he reminds himself of the promise of God, Zerubbabel, You laid the foundation. Your hands are going to be the ones that finish it. What does it tell me about the promises of God? It gives us the assurance of God's promise. It gives me the assurance that when the seed of the gospel is planted in good soil, it will bring forth much fruit. And it gives me assurance that salvation will produce sanctification, that I will move from glory to glory, and that one day my sanctification will end in glorification, that I will be in the likeness of Christ. It's the promise that Paul reminds us of, that He who began a good work in you will continue it until the day of redemption. He started it, and He's going to finish it. Wherever you are, God is not finished with what He's doing in your life. God is not finished with the work He is doing through you, and He is by far not finished with the work He is doing in you. And what He starts, He will finish. And can I just remind us this morning, it's a truth of Scripture, that what begins in grace will always end in glory. What starts in grace will inevitably end in glory. What started in grace in our heart with the seed of the gospel that brought salvation, the power of God into salvation, what God began, He will continue and He will complete. And one day we will stand in His presence, in His likeness, and we shall know as we are known because we will be like Him. That's the work that God is doing. What is small to man can be big to God. And what starts small can be big. I'm going to point out one quick truth to you in this. Part of the work God is doing is not just the work of the temple. He's doing a work in his people. Look in verse 10. Who has despised the day of small things? Zerubbabel may have had a list of names. All those that stood over to the side and said it can't be done. All those that stood over there and wept, oh, we remember how good it was back in the day. This is nothing like that. There's no no glory like the glory of Solomon's temple. Who are they that despise the day of small things? What's going to happen? The Bible says they shall rejoice. God's going to take those who were doubtful and those who were questioning and those who said it couldn't be done and they're going to get to see the finish of it too and they're going to rejoice. God's going to change them. Aren't you glad that God does more than just work in this world? He works in us. and He is at work in our hearts and our lives this morning. All these truths should help us to do several things. First of all, it ought to help us avoid a spirit of self-condemnation. I'm not enough. I'm insufficient. That's true, but that's not the whole truth. The truth is, is that with God, nothing shall be impossible. The truth is is that in Christ, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. With him, without him, I am nothing. With him, I have everything. We can avoid the spirit of comparison. idea of, well, you know what, this temple's not really what Solomon's was, because what starts small becomes great. In fact, there's a promise of God by these prophets that says, the glory of this house will be greater than the one before it. Now, if you know anything about the temple that was built, it never seems to have reached the outward glory of Solomon's temple. The gold and the silver and the precious stones and all the work that was there. The second temple never quite measured up to that. But more glory, I have to believe at least a part of that was the one day that one stood in that temple who said, a greater than Solomon is here. This was the temple that Jesus would be in, that Jesus would come into. That's the glory That's what God does. And what we think of as glory may not be what God sees as glory. But don't despise the day of small things. They bring praise to God. They bring glory to God. We may feel inadequate for the job. And whatever's taking place in your heart this morning, your life, you may be small, but don't despise the day of small things. I want to close with an illustration about small things that I know I've probably shared before, but I've, I remember years ago when I was a child hearing this, and it's encouraged me so many times over the years. Some years ago, we were in a pastor's meeting in Florida, and the pastor that was speaking told about being in his backyard the day before. He had been praying for God to give him something to encourage. Many of the pastors that were there pastored very small churches. They were facing very difficult times, and they needed some encouragement. And he said, God, please give me something. And as he was walking in his backyard, he was picking up some branches from a storm that had been through. He noticed out of the corner of his eye, over on the side of his yard, he had a a sink for cleaning fish. Uh, Many people, and I don't know if we do that around here, but a lot of people in Georgia and Florida, they have little sinks there in the backyard. And it was a ceramic sink. and, And he noticed something sort of moving in it. And he walked over to look at it. He caught out of the corner of his eye, and he saw a roach moving around in the bottom of that sink. Now, not like maybe the roaches, but those Florida water bugs that are the state bird down there, and those of you from Florida know what I'm talking about. But he noticed as it was, he was on its back. It was dead. It was moving. That really got his attention. And he noticed that there was some small group of ants down, and they were trying to carry that roach up the side of that sink, trying to get that roach out of that sink. And he said he watched for a little bit, and he said they'd get a little distance, and they'd slide back down. They'd get a little distance, and they'd slide back down. And then he noticed something else. He said around the rim, the top of that sink, he said there was a ring of ants. And he said every time they would slide back down, those ants at the top would sort of scurry around a little bit. And he said they'd slide back down, ants at the top would scurry. He said he figured out what it was. He said it was a Baptist church. He said those down at the bottom were the faithful few that were trying to do something for God. They were trying to accomplish something. They were struggling with a task that was bigger than they were. And he said that bunch up at the top was the other percentage that sits back and says, oh, it can't be done, never going to work, bad idea. And then they rejoice when it doesn't happen. And he said he would notice and he said they'd go over and he said as they would slide back down, he has got to noticing that the ants in the bottom would sort of get in a little huddle over to the side. And he said he figured out they were having a prayer meeting. (laughs) And they would huddle together for a little bit, and they'd go back, and they'd get around that roach, and they'd head right back up the side, and he said they'd get a little ways up, and then they'd come sliding back down to the bottom. And he said when they did that bunch at the top, man, they'd scurry all around. They were all excited. Told you it couldn't be done. He said, I could just hear them. He said, I've been in Baptist churches enough. I knew what they were saying. And he said they kept getting further and further, and he said finally they got about three-quarters of the way up and they slid back down to the bottom. He said, they went over to the side, and they huddled up, and he said, they were there together. He said, they prayed for a long time. And he said, they came back, and they got around that roach, and he said, I could, just, I could see it. They were crying one more time. He said, I could hear that bunch at the top saying, it'll never work. You're not enough. There's too few of you. And he said, they started back up that side, and he said, when they got up, he said, they got about one inch from the top. And he said, I could just see them just beginning to start sliding back down. And he said, I reached over with my finger and I pushed it up over the top. (laughs) He said, I want you to know that when you think you're not enough and you think things are about to go under, he said, God reaches down from heaven and he just lifts us up over the top. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Whatever you're facing this morning, you're not enough for Whatever task you have, you're not enough for. We're small, but don't despise the day of small things because it is in the day of small things that we experience the power of a great God. Father, I pray that you'll speak to us this morning. You have been working in hearts and speaking, and I pray that we will respond to this invitation. Father, for those here that are growing weary, that they'll not despise the day of their small labor and Father, those that are facing big challenges, physical challenges, medical challenges, some relationships, some with their spouse, some with their children, and it seems to be too much, Lord, help them not to despise the day of small things. Father, for others who are just weary from day to day, getting up and going through all their routine, reading their Bible and praying and trying to follow you and trying to be a good husband and a good wife and a good parent trying to be a good neighbor and a faithful follower of Christ. And, Lord, it's just the the small days are wearing them. Help them not to despise them. Lord, help us in our small days and the day of small things. Help us to see the greatness of our God. In our weakness, to see your strength. In our inability, to see your power. And above all else, in our humility, to see your glory.